I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Welcome back. Back to the Base Code Podcast. Yeah. It's been a little while, end of last year. When was it? It was longer back than that. Well, by popular demand, uh, and by popular I mean like four people, uh, we were called back. So here we go. Yeah, we're here for you. <laughs> what uh, what have you been up to? I know we haven't caught up, gosh, in at least maybe a month now. February was super busy for me. Yeah, so um, I guess towards the end of the year, we were working on the Tailwind Shift together for a while. Um, that was pretty fun. Super fun. And yeah, I it was really good to build something that like it wasn't really like a, a web project. It wasn't a Laravel project. It was just a command line tool, you know, using like the Symfony command line stuff. So that was really fun. Um, and then that, you know, kind of integrating with Shift and all that. And since then, I needed to actually, you know, go and get some money. So I've taken on a, a short-term contract, uh, working a couple of days a week, which has been really fun, actually. It's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting project. So, yeah, how about you? I'm I'm actually just on a tangent on that. I'm glad you found something because honestly, I was a little discouraged, kind of like with how the Tailwind converter did. Yeah. Simply based on like I was very very skeptic at first because I've tried to branch out and we'll we'll talk about this more as the series goes on. But just to kind of jump in, like I'm always skeptic to go outside the box with Shift, meaning like outside of Laravel because. Typically, historically, they've not done well. Um, and maybe I don't give them enough time or whatever. And, and you know, I'm going to keep trying. And to that point, we tried this Tailwind converter. And so at first I was very skeptical. I thought, you know what, let's let's dabble. And, you know, maybe it'll be fun for a couple people. And I think, you know, we released some videos and we started talking about it more. And that got like, that video I did on Twitter got like, 14,000 views or something, which by far was like the most viewed Twitter video I've done. And I've done several for all my different products over the years. So that like really got my excitement going. And I thought, oh, great. Okay, good. Like, because I knew you had spent more time on it to the point. And so like when it launched and and really didn't get a whole lot, you know, yet. And I, I have theories on that. But anyways, the point is like, I just kind of felt bad that the bite like wasn't as loud as the bark yeah i mean i think there's always going to be that to some extent but i guess proportionately um based on yeah the initial responses of the build-up uh probably wasn't you know proportionately what i would have expected i mean you're always going to have people that get really hyped for it but then when it comes down to actually buying it they're like oh you know i like the idea but Absolutely. And and we'll circle back on kind of all that, I think, in like a later episode. So, but I just like, I'd hoped that we would kind of at least get our return on investment kind of pretty quickly, again, relative to kind of the responses we were getting on Twitter and the videos. And it just kind of didn't happen, you know, yet. So hopefully, hopefully there's still a chance, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I go into these things kind of expecting that, um, I mean, it was the same with, you know, when I worked on one of my personal projects, Gifty Duck, I kind of, I kind of assume that it's not going to be successful so that, you know, when that happens, I'm not disappointed and I'm always making sure that I'm having fun doing whatever I'm doing. I'm learning things. I'm playing with 
um, stuff that I've wanted to play with. So I never feel like, you know, too, too down about it. It's kind of like, if it's successful, that's a cherry on top. That's a bonus. But if it doesn't go well, then I've still learned something. I've still got stuff to talk about on podcasts, at conferences. No, and I'm normally with you. I think I, I think I kind of like, quote unquote, let my guard down though when like <laughs> some of those tweets were doing so well. And, yeah. And so when it when it didn't deliver after that, again, at least initially, there's there's still plenty of time. Like it is an asset. Yeah. But like, it's one of those things where that initial response it wasn't like an overnight success. Maybe the way that some of those tweets might have made me feel like it could have been. Yeah, I think people really appreciated the magic of what it does. But maybe they didn't actually have a need for it at like you know at this point in time. It's kind of yeah you you have because you still have to have time to set aside to go through and you know manually review everything and sure get everyone on board with the changes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very specific like shift. So again, and and technically speaking, it's still in beta. So you know, again, there there's some theories I have on maybe why you know, to your point, people are waiting or not trying it yet or whatever. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, you got to have when you're full time on something, you got to have something to, you know, pay the bills. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last year, I pretty much didn't get um, have any income for the entire year until probably December. So I just lived off savings, which was intentional. When I when I quit my job at the start of the year, I deliberately didn't want to go get another job I wanted to actually focus on my own stuff build something um and so yeah I ran down my savings until I got to a point where I'm like okay now I need to actually you know potentially look at taking on some contract work I really really once I'd had a taste for you know working on my own I didn't want to go and just get some full-time job again um as much as I've enjoyed that and I I can see in my life I've often flip-flopped between the two. I've done a few years as an employee, then a few years running my own business. I've been like an IT consultant, um, you know, web designer, all these sorts of different things. Um, and I kind of enjoy just mixing things up, I guess. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. And, and maybe maybe that's what we'll do with just kind of this first episode is kind of lay the foundation for, for this mini-series or, or season or whatever we're kind of calling them. You know, we'll do... So, you know, six, eight, ten episodes. We'll see how far it goes. So definitely let us know things you want to hear more about as you listen to these uh, out there in the world. Yeah. But no, I was the same way. So basically 2019, I went full time on my own projects. And fortunately, I had shift that had been growing for the previous maybe two or three years, I guess three years probably. So there was some security in that, but it nowhere near was making what I was making as a consultant at a day job. It wasn't even making really a fraction of that, to be honest. So it was a little bit of a leap for me while I wasn't too worried about dipping into savings necessarily. Like I knew I could, again, pay the bills, but it wasn't going to get much more than that. So, you know, I kind of gave myself 2019 and said, look, as long as I don't eat into my savings, I'll keep going, you know? Yeah. Uh, so here we are in 2020 and I didn't really eat into the savings. And I, I wrote a blog post on this at the beginning of the year as kind of like, you know, year in review, but also made a separate post for this, but just kind of saying that the goals really for 2020 were, were no longer just to kind of 
get by or not dip into savings, but to actually, you know, grow the business. So that's kind of my goal this year, the fifth year for shift. Nice. Which is, yeah. So it's great from like a business perspective, like, you know, every year that you're in business is, you know, probably, uh, if nothing else, a a slower death. Uh, so it's not going to quit overnight anyways. The promise of that, or at least the security of, of that, that I could forecast, even if, you know, no one used shift anymore, or even if somehow Laravel, you know, wasn't popular anymore or whatever, you know, I would, I would be able to see that coming enough to pivot. Yeah. And I guess on that, um, Laravel shift or shift in general, it is a bit of a, like kind of like a content treadmill, right? Like you've got a, when new versions come out, it's not just like you, it's, it's not like a, a service where it just runs itself. You've got to manually still do work on it constantly to keep everything up to date. It's not a book that you write that you put on a shelf and then you can basically just watch this passive income roll in. It's still got an active component to it, right? Absolutely. That's a really good point. Like shift is a SaaS. it's software as a service, but like, I also have to update shift you know, to be able to do those updates. So it's, again, it's a little bit meta, but like individually, like each shift you could say is a product. Like we made one for Tailwind and we made one for just recently Laravel 7. And, you know, I've made a test generator and a fixer and I'm thinking about making stuff for Rails. Like, so each one of those is a product and yeah, over time it becomes an asset, but initially it's just like building any other product. So Shift is a SaaS, but it's also, in a way, a marketplace. But it's a marketplace where you're very much tied to having to continually add to it at very specific times. Because if you don't have a shift out when the new version of Laravel comes out, all of a sudden people are not going to, you know, they're going to worry about this service and go, oh, is this actually reliable if it's not there for me when I need it? So, sure. yeah, you've, you've, got, a, you've got a very strong commitment, I guess, um, to that. There are definitely real deadlines. It's not something you can just go off and work on whenever I want. Yeah. And and the thing is, I really can't even get too far ahead of it because, you know, to that point, again, Laravel 7 just released, you know, it's not even finalized until literally maybe an hour before they tag it, sometimes even later. And there's quick patches, you know, that come out. I mean, yeah. I think there's already been two patches just today with actual file changes as well. So, you know, definitely the few weeks leading up and, and probably at least the two or three weeks after, definitely a month there is is a lot of work to keep it going, keep it fresh, yeah. keep it accurate. And I guess what comes along with that is that you can't really, I mean, you, if you want to have like have a vacation or a holiday, you can plan around when the major releases are happening, but you've still got to, like, you can't just take a sick day when it's you know leading into these things because you know you're it there's no one else that's going to fill in your role and and all that sort of stuff so i mean that's one of the i guess the the downsides of running your own business is around that um yeah like you you are the business you need to be there um you've got no sick leave or anything like that no one that can fill in that's something i've thought about before like when you are working on anything on your own. I mean, it doesn't even have to be programming. I mean, it's anything. If it falls on you and you're not working on it, no one's working on it. Like nothing yeah. is getting done. 
And like you're saying, you know, if I woke up sick this morning, like too bad, I got to at least get up and, you know, launch shift. I got to follow, I got to answer some emails. I got to make sure, you know, yeah. it's staying fresh. So, but that's anything that's client work. That's anything. Like yeah. if you agree to doing client work and you don't work on it that day and you're supposed to put 10 hours a week on it, well, that means those 10 hours better happen tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. But I guess if you compare it with something like, say, like the base code field guide, right? Like the book, once you've finished putting in that massive amount of effort into it initially, it's then switches to more of like a maintenance phase where, you know, you've still got to obviously answer questions and deal with, um, you know, customer support, all that sort of stuff. But it's, yeah, it's far more passive than, than a SaaS or client work, as you say, doing, doing consulting. Um, For sure. But a lot more upfront work there too. Yeah, I think everyone's dream is to have this like passive income stream where they don't actually, you know, they can just pull all this effort in up front and then just sit back and watch it come in. And I think that is just so rare to happen. And yeah, most most of the time when you are running your own business or working for someone else, it is day in, day out, lots and lots of work. For sure. So just so we kind of lay the foundation maybe for some future episodes, since we like to kind of keep these around 20 minutes. Um so what, tell me more about like what you're working on, not necessarily, doesn't have to be like detailed client work, but maybe another product that you want to talk about too, like something else that allowed you to go full-time originally. You said Gifty Duck was one, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't say Gifty Duck allowed me to go full-time in that it's not really made much money at all. It's based on like an affiliate model, but the entire product is free to use and we make um, money off it almost as a side effect of people using it. Um, but it doesn't cost, yeah, it doesn't cost anyone anything to use it. So it was more, it was more that I, yeah, I quit my job making money. I had enough money saved up where I could actually invest some time into just building something. And to be honest, even if it was spending time on a free open source project, that would have been fine as well. I just wanted to build something, have a bit more control over the process. Um, I hadn't really built something where I was in full control since probably like, you know, Laravel 4.3 or something really old. And I had been working with Laravel a lot, but had been in a big team where it was kind of very collaborative and it was harder to get, um, you know, new things in because there was risks of breaking. There was, you know, a lot of government requirements. So we couldn't just, you know, go fast and break things. So that's kind of where, yeah, I was just looking for an idea to build. And I had a friend who's non-technical but has lots of ideas and he had the idea of Gifty Duck. And I basically just, I just said to him, I'm like, you know, you've got tons of ideas. You're always talking about ideas. What, what's the one that's the most realistic that we could build that we think has some chance? Um, and I'm going to build it. I'm going to just dedicate some time and build it. So that's, that's where Gifty Duck came from. Um, so the, the day job like wasn't fulfilling is basically what you were saying. Like you had like kind of an itch to build yeah. something without kind of the slowness or the red tape that's often inherent with day jobs. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, I'd been there for probably about 4 years, I think. Um and it was one of those things where like I really loved the people there, but the work was when I first started there, I was building a brand new Laravel project. Um it was kind of all green fields and you know, pushed really hard on that. I learned a ton. And then when that project went to more of a maintenance phase, I switched to another legacy project and, you know, it's fun for a while, but after, you know, after some time, it was like, I was just, I mean, to be honest, it was after I went to Laracon AU in 20, 
18 it would have been yeah and I just really got inspired to just you know do all these things and it was all really hard to kind of get that in my day job get that satisfaction um so that was probably the catalyst so yeah I'm definitely that way as well like with a day job just kind of going back was like I definitely believe in like work work life balance and I think I wrote something like a while back on like kind of like why I leave a job I mean this was like 10 years ago I probably wrote something we we can link it in the show notes but I basically said that I said like you know it's either like the people or it's the work itself you know or it's like you know opportunity you know, to advance or something like it has to have, you know, some elements of those three things. And yeah, you know, if one's missing, whatever world's not perfect, but like when two start to be missing, it, it gets kind of tough and you start looking like grass is greener, uh, like all these other things, whether yeah. it's a new job or a new project or the promise of, even if it's an empty promise of something else can sometimes be enough to be like, okay, I'm, and I think we have the luxury to do that, like in our industry. Like, I remember my dad kind of at first was like, really like, you better be careful switching jobs. Like they're going to, you're going to get like flagged, you know, as like someone who doesn't, you know, isn't trustworthy and not loyal. Yeah. And uh, I just think in our industry, like we have the luxury maybe, yeah, sure. You can't stay somewhere for three months, 10 times in a row, but yeah, I don't think it's as um, rigid maybe historically has some jobs where like, you know, you needed to, you needed to be there and prove your worth and, yeah. and so forth. And there's still people that are, that are kind of, you know, that's the kind of thing they like though. They, they prefer that stability than, you know, knowing what they're dealing with every day. But for me, I'm just like, in some ways I'm, I'm an employee, an employer's worst nightmare because I just always want to play with the newest stuff. And, you know, I wanted to start building things with Tailwind because we were, you know, I think we were using um, like Bootstrap and there were just all these things where I was just, I had so much, you know, pent up just wanting to play with new stuff. And I'd do side projects, but then I'd go back to my day job and that's like, oh, okay, back to, you know, jQuery and Bootstrap. And it just, yeah, after a while, especially when you've, you know, you've seen the grass is greener, as you say, like with, with building things with Tailwind. I just cannot imagine going back to, you know, writing CSS anymore. Again, it's it's a real fortunate industry, one where I think it's maybe a little easier to... So fortunate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely want to be aware of that. But at the same time, it's one where you can, because of it, you can learn your value, like maybe pretty early. And when you do, you can end up being a bit choosy. Yeah. And again, it's all a very good thing. It's all, you know, it's all a benefit of, of kind of the role, especially if you work hard. Like I said, like in the beginning, you have the luxury of kind of doing that later. But one last point I kind of want to make on that, though, is like for me being a little older, um, something else in the tech industry, I feel like is I'm in, a, I'm in an age <laughs> where if I were to go back to work, like I have to be a little bit careful because if I were going to go back to work, there's kind of a limited shelf life, I think, of being like a day-to-day developer and not capping out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I would either have, to, I would probably at a certain age, which I'm approaching, I think I would have to be a manager or something in, in the eyes of a company. Like they would start seeing my benefit being more that. And and again, this is all part of the industry. I'm not, I'm not calling 
ageism or anything necessarily. It's just kind of the industry. It is, but it's something that annoys me though. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've I've turned down, you know, more senior leadership kind of roles, management roles quite a few times because that's I think people who are in management roles, they see that as the eventual progression as if like being a developer is not the top of your field, it's becoming a manager of developers is the top of the field. But I feel like, you know, staying with the code for for my personality is is where I get the most fulfillment and I don't care if I'm not, you know, on some massive salary um, you know, in those leadership roles, I'll happily stay on the code. I mean, I want to be a mentor. <clears throat> I want to have architectural roles, but I never want to get away from coding, at least at this point in my life. Because, I mean, I think we're fairly similar age. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with, with everything you're saying. I, I guess to wrap it back together for me was more like, the reason that maybe this year is important for me and what I'm working, you know, shift uh, kind of what I'm working on full time is that let's just say that the window for me going back to a job and like establishing, a, you know, a real role, you know, with a team or with a company or organization, uh, you know, you're going to have to put some time in, like we were saying. Yeah. And I guess for me, it puts a little bit of pressure on doing my work full time and kind of making it be successful, having it be successful, because, you know, if I got to go back to a job, you know, I don't know how many people are going to hire, like, you know, a 45 year old programmer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's a thought in there. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah, I think you've got to go more the, the consultant route at that age, probably. Yeah. But if I'm out of the game for seven, eight years doing my own thing, you know, and maybe I try to go consult on things that like aren't Laravel, like, yeah that could again that could be hard so so i'm at a bit of a crossroads where like it's very important to pay attention while it might seem like oh well shift is successful and yeah it is but you have to weigh that against in a way the future value of things and so yeah shift is successful today but it pretty much has to be successful for the next several years or morph into something that will be successful you know in the next several years or I might be making the wrong choice. So there's just, there's added pressures there, which maybe we'll talk about in a future episode, but just to kind of like tighten things back up with shift and, and all this, all this rambling on about jobs and day jobs and full time. But I think there's some gems in there. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we, uh, shall we wrap it up there? Yeah, let's wrap this one up. Uh, again, you know, a little bit of here and there, but just gives you some ideas of the things we're working on. And I would say in future episodes, let's definitely get, you know, more into the technical nitty gritties of like how we built these things and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that sounds fun. Cool. All right. Well, talk to you next time. All right. See ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 17.